Hello and welcome to Tomorrow is Yesterday, the Star Trek podcast, the show where we review every episode of Star Trek in production order. I am your host, Brandon Couch, and with me, as always, is my trusty co-host. Introduce yourself, David. I am Commodore David Moss. Commodore, huh? Yep, that's what I'm going with. That's actually my TikTok handle, Commodore Moss. Awesome. Yes. All right. Let's get into today's episode where no man has gone before. Alright, first airing on September 22nd, 1966. It was directed by James Goldstone and written by Samuel L. Peoples. So this week, instead of like talking about the actors as we see them in the show, I'm just going to go over the whole cast right now. Make it simple. I love that. Alright, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you about the characters, the actors, and then just for fun, I'm going to tell you like the most recent thing every one of these actors did. Okay. All right. So we start with William Shatner as Captain James Kirk, who most recently voiced the character of Jimmy Murray in the 2022 animated film Fireheart. I guess I've never seen that movie. Me neither. Like, I've never heard of this. I think it was a direct-to-video thing. Huh. They still do those? <laughs> I mean, I guess direct-to-streaming. I wonder which, which channel. Yeah. All right, we have Leonard Nimoy as Mr. Spock, whose last role was playing Spock in the 2014 video game Family Guy, The Quest for Stuff. Has he ever actually played anything besides Spock? Yes, I know he has. I don't think I've seen him in anything, but I know he has. Then we have our guest stars. We have Gary Lockwood as Lieutenant Commander Gary Mitchell, who's best known for playing Dr. Frank Poole in the 1968 film 2001 A Space Odyssey and most recently played himself in the 2020 film Unbelievable and I feel like I have to say the the film Unbelievable has five exclamation points in the title where at at the end of it it's unbelievable and five exclamation points what was there another movie called Unbelievable four exclamation (laughs) points no that would be funny though there's an unbelievable with three exclamation marks two exclamation marks one exclamation (laughs) mark no exclamation marks that would be hilarious all right we have sally kellerman as dr elizabeth thaner who's best known for playing the character of major margaret hot lips houlihan in the 1970 film mash what the movie not the show oh okay i can see that and her last role was in an episode of the show difficult people difficult people never heard of it me neither. All right, we have George Takai as Mr. Sulu, who most recently played himself in an episode of the show Call Me Cat. <laughs> James Doohan as Mr. Scott, whose last role was as Judge Peterson in the 2005 film Skinwalker, Curse of the Shaman. Yeah, I definitely have not seen that. That's probably a horror film, too. Probably. It sounds like one. All right, we have Lloyd Haynes as Mr. Alden, best known for starring as Pete Dixon in the series Room 222 from 1969 to 1974. And the last thing he acted in was in General Hospital. He did three episodes. Is that soap opera? Yeah. All right, I'm actually going to talk about this character for a little bit because Lloyd Haynes was an African-American man, and in the 1960s, he was like one of the first african-americans who played an important role in a pilot so like it was a big deal for the time what did he play again he was the communications officer it was a small role but like okay okay 
Yeah, he was wearing a blue shirt. He was one of the background people that I didn't pay attention to. We have Andrea Drum as Yeoman Smith. So outside of Star Trek, she only has two credits. She played Allison Palmer in the 1966 film The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming, and Jill Parsons in the 1967 film Come Spy With Me. Never heard of either one of those? Either. Me neither. But it's the 60s, way before I was born. Yeah. All right. Then we have Paul Carr as Lieutenant Lee Kelso. He voiced Man on Nezu's Phone in the 1988 film Akira. And apparently he was credited on that film as Lee Kelso. <laughs> so he had the same name. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. <laughs> and his last role was in an episode of the Forsaken Westerns. <laughs> Never seen a Western. <laughs> Me neither. I also haven't heard of most of these. <laughs> yeah. All right. And lastly, we have Paul Fix as Dr. Mark Piper. Paul Fix did a lot of Westerns back in the day. He was in Giant, El Dorado, Red River. He played Judge Taylor in the 1962 film To Kill a Mockingbird. And he was... I have seen that movie. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Okay, I saw like half of it. I was doing it for a book report. <laughs> but it was in uh, black and white. So. Yeah. All right, and his last thing was he was in an episode of Quincy M.E. M.E.? Yeah. Or M.D. M.E. All right, so now that we've gotten through the cast, let's get to the episode. All right. All right, we open with the Enterprise flying through space, and we get our first captain's log. <laughs> captain's log. Stardate 1312.4. The impossible has happened. From directly ahead, we're picking up a recorded distress signal. The call letters of a vessel which has been missing for over two centuries. Did another Earth ship once probe out of the galaxy as we intend to do? What happened to it out there? Is this some warning they've left behind? Kirk and Spock are playing a game of three-dimensional chess. Kirk is watching a screen. He's more focused on getting to this distress signal than he is with the game. And I need to go on a tangent here because in a former life, I used to be a camp counselor. And for many a summer, I taught chess merit badge. And the way Spock is playing chess is the exact opposite of how I always taught these campers. He's like being a jerk about it. He's like, I'm going to have you checkmate on your next move. You don't do that. You be respectful. You be a good sport. You don't, you don't taunt the other player. But every movie you see, everybody does that. Oh, in 48 moves, I'll checkmate you. Yeah, I get why they did it. I'm just saying like that got to me as someone who <coughs> taught a lot of chess to children. I think he just wants to end the game and not humiliate his captain so much anymore. Which is great because Kirk then like makes a move that he didn't expect and it's so satisfying seeing Spock's reaction to that. <laughs> Alright, so Kirk calls him out for being irritating. Spock pretends he doesn't know what that means, which is dumb. Like, you've been serving with humans for years. You know what emotions are. Yeah. Don't say, oh, one of your Earth emotions. Like, you know what they are. You're a part human. Like, I always found it weird, like watching the original series the beginning of it they acted like spock had never been around humans before when in reality he's been serving with starfleet for what 15 years now well i don't think the how long he has hasn't been established yet but like it's definitely been years because later in this episode they say that spock's been serving with gary mitchell for years yeah like they say that yeah <laughs> like he spent time around humans yeah so he should be used to him how long did it take to paul 
to get used to the Enterprise crew. What, like two years? <laughs> three years? Two years, three years. Yeah. Two episodes. I mean, and she's full, full Vulcan, not half Vulcan, half human. Yeah, you're right. She'd also like spent time around humans before because she was stationed on Earth. But she lived in the Vulcan colony. And didn't... Yeah, you're right. She didn't go out that much. Yeah, so... But, I mean, obviously, Spock had to have went to Starfleet Academy. Yeah, which would have been in San Francisco. And, I mean, his father was a ambassador to Earth. And his mother was an Earthling. Yeah. I know that's not established at this point, but, like... And, I mean, his sister is a human. Okay, like... Which is not established. That's that's not till Discovery. Let's not talk about that. I, I mean... That was a dumb choice. <laughs> I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so Kelso appears on the screen. He reports that the thing that the signal's coming from is in tractor beam range, but it's not in visual range, which doesn't make sense to me. Like, if you can tractor beam it, shouldn't you be able to see it? Yeah, because in every single episode of Star Trek, they've always been like, oh, we can see it way before we can get it in tractor beam range yeah you're telling me you can just tractor beam things you can't see (laughs) like shoot the tractor beam that way let's see what we pull in it's like fishing yeah i guess so apparently we learned that whatever this is it's too small to be a ship so there's no people in it and it is small enough to beam aboard so kirk gives the order to lock the tractor beam onto it what is with star trek captains beaming aboard things like why at least Janeway would put it in the the dock, you know, like the uh, docking bay. So then it's not as dangerous as... I don't think transporters do that yet at this point. I think you can just transport things into the transporter room at this point. But still, what? Go send a shuttlecraft to go look at it. I mean, that's what I'd do. I mean, you have a point. I would also, like, it's a distress signal from an Earth ship that's been missing for 200 years. That, like, predates Enterprise. We catch to the transporter room. Scotty calls it a materializer. I noticed that. He didn't say transporter ready. He said materializer ready. Remember, it is the pilot. We'll just go with the... But it is called transporter room because when they leave the transporter room, it says transporter room above the door. Huh. Are you seeing Scotty's just? <laughs> no, a... I'm, I'm just saying I, I, I noticed that line. <laughs> He's a Scotsman. He is a Scotsman. He doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> we got Kirk, Spock, and Scotty in the transporter room. Scotty beams the object aboard. Kirk tells us that it's an old style recorder and they used to eject them when the ship was threatened. Uh, Spock points out how damaged it is. And so then Kirk gives us their plan. We're going to hope that the tapes are still intact. Scotty sends the information to Spock's computer. And Kirk orders Altex on alert. You know, I would have at least... Sorry, I'm going back no, to, you're fine. to the object. I would have at least gotten into to the range that I could visually see it. Before transporting before it. Before transporting it. <laughs> That just really bothers me. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Okay, you can continue. (laughs) I mean, you have a very good point. They probably should have done that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Then we get our title sequence. We don't have the classic, like, monologue yet, but we do have the music and the ship flying through space. Yeah. Which wasn't quite as nice as the first one. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I think you're right. (laughs) Yeah, there was more space in the first one. More planets and more... It's kind of like Voyagers, how there's a bunch of different... Yeah, Voyager has a great title sequence. Yeah, way better than Enterprises. I mean, you're right. (laughs) I'm not going to argue you on that. (laughs) And I mean, honestly, the worst to me is Deep Space Nine. Really? 
Yeah. Do you ever notice that the Deep Space Nine one actually changes slightly throughout the seasons? Well, yeah, because they add Worf in like later second decks. Like they add, no, like the title sequence. They add like the... the, the, the so you're saying different backgrounds. The Defiant is on there and all of a sudden it's coming off of there instead of... Oh, yeah. Another ship. Like when it's Klingon heavy season, there's Klingon ships coming off the top. You'll see... Sometimes you'll see people working on the station. Like actually out there working on the station. Hmm. Other times you'll see shuttlecraft. You should go back and watch them. Have you ever noticed that lower decks changes? I have not. Specifically the Borg scene. With every season, they add a different ship fighting the Borg cube. Yes, I have noticed that. Uh, What was it? The last one, there's like 12 different ships fighting it. Yeah, it's like the Romulans and then like they might add the Klingons. And in one season, they add the, uh, what are those really dumb aliens called? Yeah, the ones that kidnap Jordy LaForge. Yeah. Oh. Ah, not the Kazon, that's a Voyager thing. I don't remember, but the last thing they added was those aliens. <laughs> okay, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I forgot we were talking about that. <laughs> We open on a hallway full of crewmen. We got alarms blaring. Kirk and Spock enter a turbo lip. And here's where we first meet Gary Mitchell. Mitchell runs in and we have a fun conversation between Mitchell and Kirk and Spock. It's great. Like, we know that they're close because Mitchell calls Kirk Jim. And we know that, like, only his friends call him that. And then we have this fun conversation about, like, Mitchell saying, Kelso sounded kind of nervous over the intercom. And then they're talking about the chess game. Spock saying, he played illogically. I'm like, it's just a fun conversation. This conversation had me thinking. So, so we know in Strange New Worlds we have Spock. Uh-huh. We've had a Kirk. I wouldn't be opposed to them going like after Pike gets promoted, Kirk takes over the Enterprise, we get a new Gary Mitchell, and we get to see like the adventures of the Enterprise before this episode. Uh, yeah. Like it was just an idea I had this last time watching it through. You know, so you had that idea. The thought came to me during this whole sequence that Kirk is a way better captain than Pike was. According, you know, from pilot to pilot. Well, yeah, that's why Kirk got a show and Pike didn't. (laughs) And, but Gary Mitchell is more like Pike was in the original pilot. He's more chauvinistic. Yeah, he does have some of those qualities, but like as an officer, he's really good at his job. Before he gets hit with the thing, he like is a really good character. He flirts with people and he's kind of sexist, but aside from that, he's a good character. I like the part where he said the guy sounded uh, the announcement over the, I guess, PA, however they do it, over the computer or whatever, where he said he sounded shaky. That seemed kind of, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It just seemed very... uh, (laughs) Very what? It very just, like, he didn't have faith in the newer officer. Mm, I read that more as, like, him and Kelso are buds. He was just razzing him. I know Kelso wasn't in the room, but, like... I don't know. That's just how I took it. Okay. Then the three men exit the turbo lift onto the bridge. Mitchell relieves Mr. Alden at the helm. Mitchell's our helmsman, even though he's at... Check off seat. Yeah, yeah, so like Helpsman is backwards in this episode only, which isn't this episode's fault. It came first. It's the rest of the series' fault. <laughs> Kelso says that we're approaching the edge of the galaxy, which you'd think you'd wait till later in the series and not like leave the galaxy in your first episode. Right. That's an odd choice. Yeah. 
is very odd. Kirk orders Mitchell to hold position. Kirk then goes over the PA and updates the crew on the situation. Uh, meanwhile, Spock's trying to get information from the probe. Then we have the ship's department heads enter the bridge. And then we have an awkward moment between Kirk and his yeoman. She's standing directly in his way and he's like, Yeoman Jones. And she's like, it's Yeoman Smith, sir. But he was still nice about it. He was what? nice about it. Like, he wasn't Pike. Yeah, he wasn't a D-bag like Pike. So, okay, the thing that caught my eye during this one was, what was Sulu? I was actually about to get into that. <laughs> they never mentioned him. And then no, was, they did. Well, I mean, they said, I don't know. Go on. All right, so then Kirk talks to the department heads for Sulu. What department is it? Sulu, the head of astro-scientists, which we all know Sulu, famously the head of astro-sciences. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, he needs something to do while Mitchell is flying the ship. What, what honestly is Sulu in the original series? He's the helmsman. I thought Chekhov was the helmsman. No, Chekhov's the navigator. It's the two of them at the helm. Okay, I was confused by that. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> because I mean, usually, like I was going like next generation, you have the helmsman and the science officer, and I was like, well, Spock's the science <laughs> officer, <laughs> and then you have Aurora, is the communications. Who? The chick. What chick? You know, from the next episode or two or. Oh, Aurora. Yeah, that's what I said. That that's not what you said. What I say? You said Aurora. Aurora, uh, Aurora. Yeah. Stop making fun of me. <laughs> this is a terrible episode. <laughs> this isn't a terrible episode. <laughs> the Star Trek fans are going to come after us. You don't know Aurora's name. Everybody, I just want to apologize. I do not like the original series. <laughs> Yeah, it's my bad. I'm forcing David to watch it. Yeah, I've seen every episode, but just out of the fact that I needed to watch it to get the clarification for Discovery and for Strange World and for other references in the Star Trek universe. And that's the only time I ever watched it. Where all the other series I've watched about a million times per series. Nice. So we got the rest of our department heads. We got Mr. Scott, our chief engineer. Dr. Piper, our chief medical officer, or as he says, life sciences. <laughs> and then we meet a new addition to the Enterprise crew, Dr. Elizabeth Danner. She is a psychiatrist who's there to study how the crew deals with emergencies. You know, not to like counsel the crew, just to like be like, oh, hey, you're doing dangerous stuff. Let me watch. Uh, and is, isn't this the only time there is one in the original? Yeah. Yeah. Counselors don't become a regular thing till next generation. Which... And, I mean, honestly, like, Troy did a good job in Next Generation. Yeah, like, having a psychiatrist on the ship at all times is a great idea. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, but why is it Next Generation the only one? I guess Voyager, didn't the counselor die? Uh, Voyager, it was supposed to be a short mission, so they didn't have a counselor because it was just supposed to be like, hey, go get this terrorist ship, but then they ended up across the galaxy. Right, and... I guess Deep Space Nine, they might have had one. Uh, Deep Space Nine, the second Dax was a counselor. Well, yeah. But they didn't like for the first six seasons. But then the station was... A station, not like a ship. And it was becoming this, like a good station. Like yeah. They were working on it. Yeah, and then we didn't get another counselor until the third or fourth fourth season of Discovery. They made the Doctor a counselor. Well, and then there's a... Uh, what's his name? In Lower Decks? Yes. The guy who uses puppets? Yeah. 
<laughs> he, the bird guy. The bird guy. The bird. Guy. That guy's a terrible counselor. <laughs> but he is a counselor. He is counselor. I think they they treat him like Flocks on Enterprise. I feel like Flocks gets better treatment than that. And they're like, eh. We'll go to you just because you're the one here. Fox is a great character. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, about. Fox is good. Sorry. Let me... The bird guy? You're talking about the bird guy, not Fox? I mean, so Fox is a great character, but I feel like the officers on the Enterprise wouldn't have went to him if there was another option for a doctor. <laughs> I mean, because the man was using leeches and Okay, okay, whatever, I see your point. Kind of, you know, I mean... The counselor on Lower Decks is using puppets. No other counselor <laughs> uses puppets. I feel like people only see him if they're forced to, like, by order of the captain. Right. And that's how I see Flox being, too. I'm not saying Flox is bad or anything, just I feel like the crew of the Enterprise probably didn't want to go to him unless they were forced to go to him for, like, at least the first season. Yeah. And then they realize Flox is cool. Yeah. Just don't stick me with whatever you're going to stick me with. <laughs> Andorian tarantulas or whatever. Andorian tarantulas. That would be cool. Like a frozen tarantula. Yeah. So Spock's starting to have luck with the probe. Daner's interested in how the crew of the Valiant responded to the situation back then. Uh, Mitchell tries to flirt with her. He's immediately shot down, which is great. Then when she walks away, he calls her a walking freezer unit because God forbid a woman not be interested in him. It's Pike all over again. It's Pike all over again. Spock finds out that the Valiant was swept up by a magnetic space storm and thrown out of the galaxy. Kirk realizes it would have been because their old impulse engines wouldn't have been strong enough to get them out of it. Then Spock finds out that the crew of the Valiant was trying to get information on ESP, extrasensory perception, in humans. Kirk asks Daner what she knows about it, and Daner misreads the question. He's like, oh, I have a very high ESP rating, because foreshadowing. Like, that part right there just gets me. I'm like... This is the 60s and we're talking about ESP. <laughs> yeah, supposedly we all have ESP levels that are tested in Star Trek. Yeah. We'll never come up again. Ever, 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 ever. We find out that there were six crewmen on the Valiant who died. And then the captain gave the order to destroy their ship. So whatever happened, it was bad. Kirk asks his senior staff what they think. Piper responds with all that we know for sure is that the Valiant was destroyed and Kirk decides that that's a good argument for staying and figuring out what happened so that doesn't happen to someone else. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Solid logic. So Kirk orders the ship to leave the galaxy. We see this big purple force field on the view screen. Spock orders a sensor beam and deflectors. According to the ship, there's both something there and something not. The sensor beam says there's... Nothing there. The deflectors say, yeah, there is. <laughs> and then Mitchell grabs Smith's hand, which is just weird. He reaches behind him and grabs her hand. And it's just like, oh, it feels like a weird moment. Yeah, it looked like a weird moment. Yeah. Like sexual harassment much. Well, no, it felt more like they were both scared. Like that kind of hand holding. It was odd, though. It was very odd. Like, come on, steer the ship, dude. You're busy. You need two hands to steer the ship. You need two hands to steer the ship. Don't hit the purple thing. (laughs) Don't hit the purple thing. (laughs) 
All right, all right. So then we got consoles start blowing up. At this point, I noticed all of like our senior staff, they're just standing in the background, not being helpful, not doing anything. Scotty's not like running over trying to fix the ship. Yeah, I noticed that too. I'm like, you guys are senior staff. Shouldn't you be doing, doing something? something? <laughs> That'd be like any senior staff, like the Enterprise, the next generation, Jordy, Data, Riker crusher all just standing there while the ensigns do the work so it'd be lower decks yeah <laughs> yeah all right so then we see that daner and mitchell both get hit by some force uh kirk runs over to mitchell's station to try to fly the ship then spock runs over to take the helm away from kirk they fly out of there okay we find out that the mitchell and daner are both alive kirk goes to check on mitchell and we see that his eyes are weird and silver yeah i try not to watch this like i tried not to actually physically watch this every time he'd come on the screen because his eyes gave me nightmares. His eyes gave you nightmares? <laughs> yes. That's fantastic. <laughs> so those contacts like actually hurt his eyes. It was like really painful for him. Well, they hurt my eyes looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> That's why like for most episodes, he's holding his head like up like this. He's like looking down his nose just so he can see through him. <laughs> but yeah, it was a cool look. All right. And that is the end of Act 1. Captain's Log. Stardate 1312.9. Ship's condition. Heading back on impulse power only. Main engines burned out. The ship's space warp ability gone. Earth bases, which were only days away, are now years in the distance. Our overriding question now is, what destroyed the Valiant? They lived through the barrier just as we have. What happened to them after that? All right, so the crew of the Enterprise is working on the bridge trying to repair the ship. Spock's going through the files of all the crewmen who were affected by whatever force hit Daner and Mitchell. We see that Daner and Mitchell both have like really high ESP levels. And then Daner comes in to give us a report on the autopsies. Something happened to them neurologically and they all had part of their brains blown out. What? So Spock and Kirk think that their ESP levels might have something to do with it, and Daner gets really defensive. <laughs> N nothing to say. Yep, I don't have anything to say on this one. Nothing to say on this one? Nope. Okay, yeah, she gets really defensive. You'd think a psychiatrist on a ship going out to, like, alien worlds would be more more open-minded. She just keeps arguing, like, ESP's not dangerous at all. Nothing bad could possibly happen. I'm pretty sure uh, she has it. Well, I mean, she already said that she had ESP. So, I mean, pretty sure she'll turn evil. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. <laughs> All right, so the next scene is in sickbay. Any thoughts on sickbay? That whole, yeah, the whole sickbay scene was just really weird to me. Honestly, the sickbay is weird to me because it has like one bed in it. And it's tiny. Tiny sick bay with one bed. Yeah. Like, how do you take take care of a crew of, what is it, 400? I think he said in one episode. Hmm. Or 700. Four or 700. Like, how do you take care of that with one bed? Maybe there's just a bunch of sick bays throughout the ship. Like, what if you And have... the doctor just runs, a, runs to all of them. 
Oh, that'd be terrible, too. <laughs> what if you had to have someone in quarantine? Well, we can't use that bed. <laughs> so, sick bay. What happens in sick bay? Uh, he's reading over the computer database. Right. He's reading really fast. But that's actually after the, uh, the captain and Spock came in. And the doctor came in to talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember what they said. <laughs> okay, let's see. Kurt comes in. Mitchell knows it's him, even when he's not looking at him, showing that Mitchell's starting to get these brain powers. They start talking about their past together. Uh, there's just one line he says that back at the academy, Kirk was a walking stack of book with legs. Yeah. So, like, Kirk was a nerd. Kirk knows a lot. This is not the reputation Kirk has gotten over the years, but Kirk was an intelligent captain. A lot of people forget that. I mean, even in the later episodes, he shows knowledge of things, like, of things going on. Yeah. I mean, he can do, like, Picard, he wouldn't have taken over the helm like that. (laughs) You know, Riker would have done it. Yeah. Like... Picard wouldn't have been able to take over engineering like Kirk has some a few episodes in the in the future, I guess now. Yeah, you're right. Kirk has like this reputation of he's a ladies man who doesn't do things by the book, but like he was a good captain. He was a competent captain. He's a Janeway, I'll be honest. He's a Janeway. <laughs> he's a Janeway. <laughs> or Janeway's a Kirk, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, Kirk gets a bad rap. Yeah. All right, so they start talking about their past. So we learned that Kirk used to teach at the academy. He had a class, and that older classman would always say, watch out for Lieutenant Kirk. In his class, you either think or sink. Hmm. Which is a fun line. Yeah, I just can't even imagine him actually teaching at the academy. Like, yeah, that'd be a tough class. Yeah. I wonder what he taught. Hmm. I'm going to Google that for That would next, be interesting. Next week's episode. They should make that prequel, Kirk teaching at the academy. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, though, he'd probably be at the Academy during Strange New Worlds. I don't know. I think at this point, Kirk is out on a starship. Like, in Strange New Worlds, I think he might be a lieutenant commander or a commander. Academy would have been lieutenant, but, like, I think he's probably that far in his career. But didn't he advance really fast, too? He did advance really fast, which is why I'm saying, like, he probably... Because he's going to be in Season 2, so, like, he's definitely on an assignment. Right. So then we find out that to get past Kirk's class, Mitchell got a blonde lab technician to go date Kirk. (laughs) Which surprises Kirk. He says, I almost married her. And this was all just a plot by Mitchell to, like, get through his class. I mean, Kirk's almost married everybody later on. I almost married her. almost married her. Yeah, like... Mitchell's plan is ridiculous. This scene kind of makes me not like Mitchell, but like also, oh, hey, they're old friends, but like also, that's a jerk move. I mean, honestly, that doesn't quite seem like a friendship move either. Yeah. Like, I'm not gonna set you up with some girl to get out of doing homework that you give me. And yes, Couch does give me homework. I do. This whole podcast (laughs) is homework I give David. (laughs) Okay, so then Kirk says that he's going to send Dr. Daner to observe him. And Mitchell's just like a jerk at this point. All the women on the ship and you give me that one. Some real like jerk sexist crap. Yeah. To which Kirk says, consider it a challenge, which 
isn't a great response. But yeah, Gary's not happy about that. So for a second, his voice gets all echoey and ominous. And then he goes back to normal. And then Kirk leaves sickbay and like Mitchell starts reading really fast. Really fast. Yeah, super, super, super fast. Almost as fast as Data. Not quite. Almost as fast as Data. Pike goes to the... Uh, not Pike. Kirk. Kirk goes to the bridge. Uh, Spock's monitoring Pike. Uh, not Pike. Why do I keep saying Pike? Spock. <laughs> He's so much like Pike. <laughs> Spock's monitoring Mitchell's monitor and sees that he's reading super fast. And Kirk orders like a 24-hour watch because Mitchell's getting scary. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I probably would be scared of him too. Can, can I just say, in this episode, Spock is a little bit more logical than the first pilot yeah because the first pilot he was like he was almost like a klingon now this one he's more logical but he's still like he's still very he still wants to kill everybody skipping ahead yeah like when he decides yeah gary needs to die like he's gonna know about it like i'm pretty sure at this point he's already like we need to get him off this ship we need to kill him yeah, in a, few, in a few scenes later, yeah. And I'm like, like, there's a point where, like, he starts carrying a phaser on his head. He's just strapped the rest of the episode. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, he's just reading fast right now. <laughs> if I started reading a little bit faster, are you going to kill me? <laughs> well, he's not ready to kill him yet. <laughs> I, I don't know. He seemed like it. All right. <laughs> now we have uh, the sick bay again. We got Mitchell, Daner, and Piper. So Mitchell's has perfect health readings and Piper's like, that's weird. Usually my patients have something wrong. Piper leaves and then we have the scene with Dr. Daner and Mitchell. There's a point where he's just like, everyone wants me to be sick or something. If these turrets would just like, and then they all start moving to show him sick. And he's like, and back to normal. And then he's like, and now dead. And he's dead for a few seconds. And then he comes back to life. So yeah, he's learning that he can control things with his mind. So my question is, how do you kill yourself and then come back to life? Like how? Like, I mean, Jesus did it, but with the help, <laughs> help. Uh, like he didn't. Like I, I'm really questioning that. Like, let's get philosophical here now. Do you have the consciousness to be like? Do you have the consciousness to like <laughs> control it to bring you back to life? Yeah, like that's what my question was in that. I'm like, do you have the ability to control your powers to bring yourself back to life? Or was he actually dead? Did he just change the sensors and like he faked it? Yeah, that's that's my thoughts. I mean, obviously the actor faked it. Well, but, yeah. But I think that he just moved the sensors around and just faked. Yeah, that's what I thought of my first viewing. But when I watched it again, like... Dr. Daner runs up to him, and then when he wakes up, she's like, you were dead for 22 seconds. You'd think a doctor would know the difference between that guy faking it and someone dead. But she's just going by the instruments. Yeah, but uh, does she check his pulse at all? No. Like, because she gets, like, right up on him. No, she doesn't. Hmm. And, I mean, remember, she's not an actual, actual doctor. Okay, psychiatrists go to medical school. They do, but... They know how to check a pulse. They don't practice medicine <laughs> as much as... And, I mean, she was a counselor, not a psychiatrist. No, she was a psychiatrist. Okay. Well, she, she wasn't was. a counselor. Okay. Okay. And then things get really, like, personal between the two of them. 
because she's a woman in Star Trek, she's starting to fall for the guy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, most women in Star Trek fall for bad guys. And oddly enough, it's not Kirk she's falling for. <laughs> See, they say that, but Kirk does not get nearly as many women as people think. I think McCoy got more than Kirk. I only think of, like, two that McCoy got. Spock got a few, too. Spock did get a few. Scotty got a couple of them. Scotty had a lot of failed... Every time you introduce like a plot where Scotty and a woman get together, it always ends bad for Scotty. It never goes well for him. But, I mean, look at almost all the engineers. It never goes good for them. The only one that ever actually got anybody was O'Brien. Yeah, O'Brien. Uh, 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 Torres. Torres. Yeah. But, I mean, she's a little bit different. In Discovery was Stamets technically their engineer? I was confused about that because he wears sciences, but like he's always in the engine room because he has to plug himself into the engine. I don't, I think he's the spore specialist. The chief engineer is, um, what's her name? The funny one. Yeah, Tignataro's character. I don't remember the character's name, but. Yeah, but you know. Yeah, and she has a wife back in the 23rd century and they're in the future now, so. Yeah. Her love life doesn't go well. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, obviously now Jordy met someone and had two kids, at least, but we've never seen that. Like he had a terrible love life. Yeah, like he, his love life did not go well in that show. I mean, he loved a hologram <laughs> <laughs> and a robot. There's part of me that thinks that like the real person that hologram was based on might be who he had those kids with. Because of a scene in All Good Things where Picard says that his wife's name is Leah, Dr. Leah Brahms. So, like, there's part of me that's like, what What if that happened? That's my headcanon right now. Mm. That Leah either divorced or her husband died, and then she got with Jordy, and now they have two kids. I mean, I think you're just stretching things. That would be I weird. I am just stretching things. That would be weird, though, if his wife's name was Leah after he had a... <laughs> Had a thing with a hologram over a woman named Leah. That would be weird. Would be very weird. I have a friend who dated all Jessicas. That's that's weird. Yeah. That's a red flag. Yeah. I date only girls with this name. Yeah. Very weird. Anyway, Star Trek. <laughs> all right. Um. Let's see. Okay, so we're finding out that Mitchell has all these powers. Like he's memorizing things. Daner pulls out one of the tapes and is like, "This tape." This page, this line, what's it say? And then he quotes it exactly, and it's uh, it's like this love sonnet from this planet in 1996. Because we all know in 1996, we were living on other planets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's That caught me. I was like, are we supposed to be living on other planets by 1996? <laughs> Apparently. Or, uh, I mean, it would make sense at the time. In the 60s, that would have been like the distant future. We're almost about 20 years off from there. Almost... We're three years off from that, and we're not living on other planets. Yeah, not living on other planets, not not using hoverboards. All of the sci-fi movies lie to me. I mean, technically, we do have hoverboards, okay. but they're not It is not hovering. the hoverboard from Back to the Future. It does not count. <laughs> I was promised hoverboards. Uh, okay. All right, what happens next? All right, Kelso comes in. Kelso comes into the sick bay to check on Mitchell. I'm sorry, man. I watched too much of that 70s show to ever 
Like, do you like, want me to start calling him Lee? <laughs> like, do you ever give him any credit on <laughs> anything? The name is, Kelso. I, yeah. You just don't like the name Kelso? Yeah, like, I think he's just an idiot. <laughs> okay, so Lee comes into the sick bay. <laughs> Gary asks him about the engines. So, like, Lee, who's a navigator, also appears to be an engineer. Which well, is interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. Like... Why wouldn't Scotty be repairing the ship? I mean, Scotty obviously is, but like, I think Lee's just also part of the engineering staff. Think of it like a Jordy and O'Brien situation. Yeah, or even Data and and Jordy. Yeah, because I mean, Data was the science officer, but how much time did he spend in engineering? Like ninety percent of the time. It's because he wore a gold shirt. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Data probably could have done any job with that ship, but... Yeah. yeah. Any job. But he enjoyed science and engineering more than anything. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, Gary asks him how the repairs are going. Kelso tells him about it. And then Mitchell all of a sudden is like, go check this thing. It's messed up. If you turn it on, it's going to blow the whole ship. And Kelso thinks he's joking. He's like, I'm not kidding, dude. And he's like, okay, and leaves. And then Dr. Daner asks, what was that all about? He was like, he still had the image in his mind. I read his mind. Cut to the briefing room. Lee's holding the thing. He's like, it's exactly what, like he said it was, which is weird. He shouldn't have known that. Right. So yeah, we're in the briefing room. Uh, Then Dr. Daner comes in and says, sorry, I'm late. I was hanging out with Gary. (laughs) All right. So we're getting briefed by everyone on what's going on with the ship and... I think they asked Daner if Gary's showing any supernatural abilities and she updates us on the stuff and Kirk's like, and you didn't think to report any of that? Well, he's not hurting anybody. You still got to report that stuff. Famous last words. You got a godlike being on the ship. You report that stuff. You don't just like see Q and not tell anybody. I mean, how many times have people seen a Q and not told anybody? Never. Okay, that one episode of Lower Decks. But that's a comedy. It doesn't count. Kirk asks Scotty to tell Dr. Daner what he just told everyone else. For about a few hours, like, there's been a bunch of switches and knobs and buttons pushing themselves. And meanwhile, Mitchell smiles while it happens. So Mitchell's been messing with the ship. So somehow I missed that part. Like, I remember, like, Scotty told the captain about it. But then, like, I actually missed him doing that. Yeah, it didn't show him doing it. It just oh. showed Scotty telling us about it. Okay. So, I, so yeah, I'm glad I... <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, my brain just, like, did not process that one. Apparently. So, yeah, that's why Spock and, like, we're starting to see him as a threat because he's trying to control the ship with his mind. Yeah. Uh, we get an update from Sulu that the math on it is, like, say you had a penny and you duplicated it in a month you'd be a millionaire. Like, that's what his powers are doing. They're growing exponentially. So we learn that Sulu's good at math. <laughs> For this episode. For this one episode and never again. Never, ever, ever. Yeah, later on we do realize that he's good at sword fighting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That episode actually aired before this episode. Like yeah, It takes place after, but it aired before. Is that the next episode we're doing? I don't know. Daner's getting all defensive. Like, he hasn't hurt anybody. This could be a good thing. <laughs> and then uh, didn't uh, Kirk decide 
to find a planet to take him to and leave him on that planet. I don't think that happens until after everyone leaves and it's just Kirk and Spock. No, he was in the room still with a few people, at least. It was more than just Spock. I think Spock points out that there's this planet and that... I don't think he says anything about stranding him yet, but I do think he mentions that we can like use the station on the planet to fix our engines. Hmm. Maybe. I could be wrong. Because I remember the part where Kirk's like, this does not leave this room. Yeah, I think that's the Gary stuff, though. That Gary has all these powers. So then everyone leaves the room except for Kirk and Spock. And Spock is starting to give Kirk these vague warnings like, In a month, uh, Gary will see us like we would a ship full of white mice. (laughs) Which is an interesting analogy. (laughs) Very interesting. So then Kirk's like, I need actual suggestions. Alright, and Spock's like, alright, here's here's your options. Kill him. You kill him? (laughs) You maroon him on a planet? Those might be the only two options. I don't know if there was a third one. I don't think there was either. Kirk is like not happy about this because, you know, Gary's his friend. It's Gary we're talking about. We can't just maroon on a planet. No one goes to that planet. It's like a mining facility, but even the ships don't contact for like 20 years at a time. Which is interesting because this is the planet that, in the 2009 movie, this is the planet that Scotty was on when we meet him. Is it really? Yeah, it is. Huh. I didn't even catch that. I guess it's because the planet that Scotty's on is snowy. and Yeah. Whereas this one doesn't look snowy. Yeah, it's like one of those, if you don't listen to Kirk when he's saying what planet he's on, you'll miss it. Yeah. I know the backdrop is used later on for a different planet. <laughs> Oh, the map painting for Delta Vega? Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember which one it is, but like, I'm sure I'll know by the time we get to that episode. Oh, yeah. Spock's on the Let's Kill Gary or Maroon Gary. Kirk's not happy about it. And then Kirk orders Spock to, yeah, order Spock to like tell the helmsman or whoever to set course for Delta Vega. And that ends Act 2. So we got Mitchell in sick bay. He says, I'm thirsty, and starts levitating a cup around. He takes it to an oddly placed, like, water faucet. It's just like a faucet in a wall. It doesn't even have an actual, like, handle or anything. It's a push button. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. And he levitates it to himself. And that's when uh, Kirk, Spock, and Dr. Daner walk in. If you notice, like, Spock is strapped at this point. Yeah. Like, he has a phaser on his belt. It looks cool. It looks kind of like the cage phaser. He is very But, like, slightly different. He doesn't, like, lose that for the rest of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what it it was. Spock is ready to go. He's ready to go. He's like, I'm I'm ready to kill this guy. (laughs) All right, so they walk in, and Mitchell's not happy. He's like, I know we're going to Delta Figure. I know what you're planning. And Kirk asks, well, what would you do in my situation? Exactly what Spock's thinking. I'd kill me. <laughs> then, then you should know like, that your only option is to be on Delta Vega. Yeah, all right. Uh, so then uh, Mitchell attacks both Kirk and Spock with his kind of poor electric effect. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of Palpatine <laughs> on Star Wars. Yeah, if Star Wars had no budget. <laughs> <laughs> Just... Because, like, it clearly they're hurting a lot, but, like, it doesn't look like there's that much. It just looks like a little spark. 
<laughs> when uh, it reminds me of what what movie is it where Thor just kind of like sparks come out of his fingers, just like little bitty sparks, like oh Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, he's like Captain Sparkle Fingers. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna start calling this guy. <laughs> Captain Sparkle. Captain fingers. Sparkle Fingers. Okay, so uh, then Kirk and Spock fight back because they haven't created the Vulcan neck pinch yet. <laughs> I'm actually not sure if they call Spock a Vulcan at all in this episode. I don't think they do either. They might have during chess. No, they definitely they're... didn't during chess. Because like, I know it wasn't mentioned in that scene. But, but like, did I, they call him a Vulcan? I, kinda, I don't know. I kind of like this because they don't use the Vulcan ne- neck pinch. Because later on in the series, they, it's, used, it's used so often. Like, Spock is so OP with that. <laughs> They're like, oh, we're going to send armies, and he's just neck pinch, neck pinch, neck pinch. Yeah, they also haven't given pinch. him super strength yet. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so they fight Mitchell to the bed, and then Kirk orders Daner to inject him with something to knock him out. Yeah. All right, and then we go to the transporter room where they're going to transport down to the planet. He, like, starts to wake up and fight back. I'll squash you all like insects. And then Piper injects him with the thing again. And then they get on the transporter. And, like, he has to be standing for the effect to work. So they stand him up. They're holding him. They stand him up. And then they let go. And he's just standing there while he's unconscious. (laughs) (laughs) It's so dumb. Like, how do they even get away with that? And they transport onto the planet, and then they just put his hands back on him. And I was like, oh, now he's passed out again. Now I have to carry him again. <laughs> this is so funny. All right, so then uh, we're with Kirk and Lee trying to get parts for the ship. Lee thinks they can do it. Like, because Kirk asks if he thinks they can do it. He thinks they can. He thinks they can get the materials to fix the ship. And... I think this is where Kirk asks Lee if he can create, like, a a destruct button in case they can't stop Gary. Yeah, I think this is where he does. My question on the destruct button was, whoever touches that button, are they going to be destroyed too? Or are they planning on trying to... Yeah, I think it's going to blow up, like, the whole station. So whoever touches that button is going to be committing suicide. Yeah. That's just weird to me that they would not have i mean if there's no other way to stop them i mean i don't know you could beam up really fast like but i don't know if the transporter was that fast and yeah original series he beams up there and like he's like full of shrapnel but it's like fused to his body the transporter was that fast in enterprise Hmm. which how long is enterprise before about a hundred years yeah, so I mean, I but also that show doesn't exist yet, so we don't know they're that fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like a lot of this podcast, you're gonna be like in canon this, and I'm gonna be like, yeah, but that didn't, that doesn't exist yet. <laughs> that's my problem here. Yeah, that's my problem with the. Original. I get it. Like I often think the same way when I'm watching this stuff. <laughs> that's why I don't watch the original Star Wars movies either. That's that's. <laughs> We can't be friends anymore. I've seen them all a few, <laughs> few times, actually. But, yeah. I don't. This is why we don't have a Star Wars podcast. We would be arguing nonstop. <laughs> we would. All right. 
let's go to the room where they're holding Gary. I think so when he hits the force force field in the room that they're holding him. Yeah. And he hits the force field and he seems like he loses his power for a minute. It throws him back against the wall and like for a second his eyes go back to normal. Like, do we actually know if he actually lost his power or if he's yeah, just yeah, messing it, with Yeah, him? like it weakened him. Because at that point, I was like, hey, there might actually be a chance that they can do something. Like any other captain would be like, hey, maybe we can figure out something to weaken him and make him lose his power somehow. But Kirk's... You do have a point. You are right. <laughs> Kirk's kind of like, we're killing him. Now we know there's Well, a he doesn't say we're killing him. He says, let's strand him here. They're still on the strand him here. <laughs> here plan. With the trigger trigger button just to... With Lee on the trigger button. <laughs> don't get don't get shocked by Captain Sparkles. <laughs> yeah, during the scene at one point he's like, you know, Jim, at one point I took some poison darts for you and almost died. What's up, man? Aren't we friends? He's like... You, you you did just say you'd squash us like insects. And then he responds with, well, I was drugged then. <laughs> it was the drugs. Yeah. Yeah, no, at this point, he's just, like, very scary and intimidating. Yeah, at this point, I would have just been like... I don't know, I would have tried to help him. Because you know that he has a weakness. And you can probably figure out a way to help him with that weakness yeah okay so after the scene uh we're with all right yeah so we're with lee he's talking to scotty on the ship scotty's saying lee you're a great thief like all this stuff fits like a glove it's all working great <laughs> when in reality it looks like they just pulled the the, <laughs> the panel off of the cardboard set and was putting it back and put in. it onto the enterprise cardboard set <laughs> Speaking of, I like the bridge in this episode as compared to the cage. The cage was very gray, and now we got, like, we got reds in there. We got some color. The bridge looks nicer. Yeah. Yeah. Kirk tells Lee that if you're the last dude, if you think we can't stop him, like, hit that button. Kill yourself, Lee. Hit that button. Kill yourself and myself. And that is the end of Act 3. So Kirk and Spock enter the room where they're holding Mitchell. Dr. Daner's there. Mitchell's just like standing there still. Daner says that he's been like that for hours. They start talking about the fact that they're all going to transport up together and leave Mitchell there. And so they're like, well, what if Mitchell gets out? Well, Lee's on the button. He's going to be on the button until the last second. And so now we focus on Mitchell and we fade to a shot of Lee. I think he's talking to Scotty over the communicator. Mitchell starts using his powers to like lift this tubing, comes up behind Lee and like gets him around the neck and strangles him to death. Right. So I know Lee's shirt isn't red, but he is operations. So is this <laughs> our first red shirt death? This is our first red shirt death. I think we need to like start a segment on this podcast at least throughout the original series red shirt death count yes yes we definitely do um i think we should make a sound for it you're just giving me more work yes we we can try to find a sound for it <laughs> all right so yeah red shirt death count one we got one beige shirt down we need to make <laughs> we need a whiteboard just one i can get a whiteboard yes i can get a whiteboard for that wall <laughs> 
we just especially when we when we start a YouTube series. <laughs> yeah, when we turn this into a video podcast. Yes. <laughs> All right, so redshirt death count one. One. Only took us two episodes to get here. <laughs> All right, so meanwhile, Doctor Daner's trying to say that Mitchell's not evil, that she wants to stay. He's not evil. He's fine. He just has godlike powers. I don't know that he just killed a guy yet. I think he should have joined the queue. Like, I kept waiting for the queue to show up. And be like, here, come join us. You know what I think would have been cool? What? If at the... This is skipping way ahead in Star Trek. But at the end of Season 3 of Picard, if instead of Q, uh, that scene with him and Jack Crusher, if that was Wesley. Yeah. Wesley acting all Q-like. Yeah. Yeah. Wesley should be a Q. That'd be fun. Yeah. I mean, how many omnipotent... I cannot say that word. Omnipotent? Omnipotent beings are there in the Star Trek universe. There's a lot in Star Trek, especially in the original series. And so, like, have they ever battled each other, I wonder? Well, I know there was a Q Civil War in Voyager, but I don't know of any, like... Different ones fighting each other. Like, did the Travelers ever fight the Q or... The... <laughs> I think the Q would decimate the Travelers. I don't know. I don't know about the Travelers' omnipotent status. I mean, obviously they can move through time and space. Yeah. So, there's something. Apparently, Wesley once made a joke that, like, changed a lot of years of history. Yeah. Part of me wants that to be why, like, Khan all of a sudden wasn't in the 90s, but is in is later in Star Trek history. If that's Wesley's fault. Because that rubs up on me sometimes. With, like, it was supposed to be the 90s, and now they're like, oh, it was after the 2020s. But I think that's just because they're trying to set up a Khan show eventually. Maybe. But I think they're running out of time because eventually everybody will forget about Khan. And... The Star Trek nerds will never forget about Khan. Oh, it's not the best movie. Yeah, but most people think it is. You know, I think they need to start making some movies from other series. Yeah, like, they keep trying to make this fourth movie with Chris Pine and that cast of characters. For years, they've been trying to make this fourth movie. And I just keep thinking, you know, the easy thing to do would be just make, make Next Generation, but in that universe. Right. Or, you know, we could just make some Discovery movies or even... You know, I don't think you get most of that Discovery cast back. Like, I don't think you get Avery Brooks back. That's Deep Space Nine. Didn't you just say Deep Space Nine move? I said Discovery. Oh, Discovery? (laughs) I don't think Discovery movies sell tickets. (laughs) Yeah, Discovery's good. Discovery has good parts. Like, it was good when they jumped to the future so they stopped, like, stepping on cannon back in the past. Right, now that's Strange New wor- Strange Worlds. Yeah, but Strange New Worlds is like great. It's like really good. Yeah. It made me cry once. 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 Only once? Yes. It made me cry 12 times. Did it? No, I'm joking. <laughs> it didn't make me cry. <laughs> Where are we at in this uh, this episode? <laughs> uh, Mitchell's starting to get all threatening. He says that You should have killed me while you could, James. Command and compassion is a fool's mixture. Like you should have killed me. Oh, going back, we forgot the part where the captain 
tells the doctor to take everyone up to the ship. And that in 12 hours, if he's not back at the ship or hasn't heard from him, to leave immediately at high warp. Well, yeah, it's because we're not there yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that happens like in a couple minutes. We've already... Because Mitchell and them... Mitchell's already gone. Like, he's already with the lady. Not yet. <laughs> right now yeah. he's still in the cage. Like, he's about to be with the lady. Because like I was about to say, so he attacks Kirk and Spock, knocks them both out. Gets out of the cage. Dr. Daner's eyes turn silver. I thought we had already knocked out Kirk and Spock. <laughs> no, we hadn't. <laughs> now they're knocked out. Hey, everybody, they get knocked out. <laughs> now old man Not McCoy shows up, gives Kirk a pillow and says, Hey, they, they, they left. They're gone. Kelso's dead. And Kirk's like, okay, wait to heal Spock. I'm going to go deal with this. I think he waited to heal Spock because he knew Spock wanted to kill him. <laughs> like Spock was bloodthirsty like a Klingon Well like Kirk's about to kill him I, No it's it's because I'm the captain This is all my fault so I'm gonna deal with it Yeah he just didn't want to listen to Spock Say I told you so One thing we did miss though was Scotty communicating to Kirk Did Mr. Spock get that rifle? I didn't order a And then Spock just shows up with a big old rifle <laughs> Like Spock's not getting around <laughs> And he's like Spock's ready to kill him Yeah, and He's like yeah I guess so I guess we got it <laughs> all right yeah so kirk picks up the rifle he goes out we cut to mitchell and daner out there dr daner's like eh, it's gonna be hard to live out here it's gonna take a miracle and then mitchell fully embracing like i'm a god i'll make a miracle then waves his hand we got plants we got water we got food <laughs> it's all there the thing the thing that caught my attention or like i started thinking whenever he was drinking from the water was like, man, I hope that water's clean. <laughs> or he's, he's going to be a god of dysentery. <laughs> you have died of dysentery. <laughs> Oregon Trail joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so meanwhile we're cutting with Kirk sneaking around with his rifle. And then Mitchell's like, oh, Kirk's out there. And then she's like, oh, I see him in my mind too. And then he's like, you should go talk to him. I want you to see how useless he is. Oh, one thing that I wanted to mention here, starting in that last scene when Mitchell was caged, he starts calling him James. Uh-huh. Not Jim anymore. I feel like that's a way of knowing, like, we're not friends anymore. We're going to kill each other. <laughs> like, this is how this ends. Yeah, I've noticed that. Okay. Um. So Daner meets Kirk out there, and then Kirk is, like, trying to reason with her. You gotta help me. She's like, oh, he's a god, though. We're way past humans. And he's like, yeah, but Mitchell still has all his human faults. Mitchell's not perfect. He was joking about compassion or about not being compassionate earlier. Like, a god needs compassion. Yeah. 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 So then Mitchell shows up and then we get the start of the Kirk-Mitchell fight. Like, you were a friend. You deserve a decent burial. So he creates a gravesite with a gravestone. James R. Kirk. Did you know J Kirk's middle name started with an R? No, I didn't. Yeah, we, we all know that. Famously, James R. Kirk, captain of the Enterprise. It's uh, James Riker Kirk. James Riker Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's fantastic. Yes. So yeah, James R. Kirk. And then we get the fight. Meanwhile, Kirk's trying to reason like, oh, you're God. Pray to you, not pray to both of you. So he's trying to be like, you, you, you see, like he wants to be God. He doesn't want to be gods. He wants to be God. 
So yeah, he starts fighting him with his powers, and then eventually this... Okay, yeah, so eventually Daner starts fighting too. Like, she starts blasting him with with her powers, and then they start blasting each other. They kind of flash purple a few times. I know these were the effects back in the day, but they look so cheesy now. So, my question is, how did they ever get these powers? Is it just because they were had e- high ESP rate? Yeah, readings. they were hit by the thing because they had high ESP ratings. What? There should have been more people than that. Well, yeah, but the rest of them died because their their ESP just wasn't high enough. Huh. So I yeah, because there was died. like nine other people on the ship who died because they had ESP, but like it blew out their brains. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, and now we get a fist fight, which interestingly, <laughs> the writer of this episode was like, we, we don't need a fist fight. The story's good without that, but Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek, fought really hard for this fist fight, which makes sense because in the cage, he didn't put a fist fight in the end and the show failed. I think he fought for this fist fight so the show would get made. It seems like Kirk or somebody always gets into a fist fight. Like, did Gene Roddenberry purposely do that? I don't know about that. I think that's just like how television was at the time. Cause like, like you gotta end with a fist fight. Somebody in this in this series in each episode gets into a fist fight. It seems like. Yeah, if it keeps you on the air. <laughs> I find it crazy when he uh, makes the uh, the burial plot with the headstone and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they're fighting. Um, eventually they both fall into the grave. Kirk jumps out. He picks up the phaser rifle, like, blasts this rock, and it falls on him. So you can kill a gog by just hitting him with a rock. <laughs> yeah. I mean, any any real god would have actually dodged that. <laughs> let's let's see him face Thor. <laughs> the real Captain Sparkle. Yeah, I think this actually comes back in an episode of Lower Decks. Ransom gets these godlike powers, and the doctor's like, Kirk hit the guy with the rock. I'm gonna go find a rock. <laughs> Okay, so now Gary and Dr. Daner are both dead. Yes. And so now we're back on the ship. Kirk gives a log. He wants them, they're both their records to say that they died doing their duty. Did you see, after they die, there's a shot of the ship in space, but it looks like the ship is actually starting to take off. And Kirk's like, Kirk to Enterprise... And the ship pretty much stops. Like it was like he had just barely hit the 12 hour mark and they were fixing to take off. No, I didn't notice that. Yeah, you should go rewatch it. (laughs) I've watched this so many times over the last week. (laughs) I might watch that episode of Lower Decks. (laughs) But yeah. So Spock says, I felt for him too. And then that's when Kirk looks at Spock and is like, there might be hope for you yet. And the Kirk-Spock friendship is... I don't know about born, but like it's there. You know, talking about that, there was a time in this episode where Spock was talking about the science of something, and someone was like, "Let's just kill him, or let's just you know do do something stupid and irrational." And Kirk's like, "No, we're listening to the science of this." Did you? Yeah, I remember there was a point where, like, Spock's talking about the science of being logical and, like, Dr. Daner's, like, arguing for Gary and Kirk's like, I need the opinion of my science officer, like. 
Right. Like, I'm not saying I'm gonna kill him, but like, I listen to the opinions of all my department heads. This is his job. We're gonna listen to Spock. Whereas if it was Pike in the last last episode we done, he'd be like, okay, I'm not gonna listen to him then. (laughs) (laughs) You hate Pike so much. In in the original series. (laughs) In that one episode. And wait till he comes back in the original series. In the... In a few episodes. And then he'll just have a blinking light. Oh, I'm going to lay him out. <laughs> okay, so that's our episode. Any final thoughts? <laughs> uh, no. I don't have any rough top of my head. So there's this one thing that occurred to me during it. When they were making Star Trek Into Darkness, because J.J. Abrams loves his mystery boxes, he was trying to keep the fact that the bad guy was Khan a secret. So there's one point where they were like, oh, the bad guys in this is Gary Mitchell, which was never the case because like the writer was like, it was never going to be Gary Mitchell. His name's Gary. I'm supposed to have an imposing bad guy named Gary. (laughs) You know all the greats. Darth Vader. Khan. Gary. Gary. (laughs) So yeah, I was thinking about like, it would have been cool like if instead of Benedict Cumberbatch being Khan, if he was Gary Mitchell. If It would have been cool if they like did Gary Mitchell in this. It's a friend of Kirk's. He gets these powers and then like, and they have to fight him. And then in the third one, they did Khan. I was just thinking like, that would have been like a cool trilogy. Yeah, it would have been. Although they probably would have got the same complaints. You're just redoing the old stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not that I don't dislike the third, Star Trek being on the third movie, but like, I do think that would have been like a cool trilogy. Like, you unite the crew, you fight Gary Mitchell, you fight Khan. Yeah. And also, you don't whitewash Khan if you do it like that. (laughs) So, yeah, those are my thoughts on Where No Man Has Gone Before. What episode are we doing next week, sir? Next week, we are doing the Corbinite Maneuver. The Corbinite? Corbinite Maneuver. Corbinite. Corbomite Maneuver. (laughs) maybe by next week i'll learn how to say it (laughs) (laughs) catch us next week until then if you want to find us you can find me at couch talks movies everywhere except for twitter where movie is singular david worth it can they find you Uh, i am on tiktok at commodore moss and that's the only place i'm at all right you can find the show at tomorrow trek pod at, at facebook instagram twitter and YouTube, uh, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash tomorrowisyesterday. And that's it. So live long and don't die from dysentery. <laughs>